Hello everyone, how's it going? Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast. It's called Is Breakfast Included? Let's get right into it. This week I sit down with B. Beeman. B is a singer, songwriter, performer, guitar player, just all around nice guy. I met him back in 2012, just after he released his debut album. Uh, I called him up. I said, hey, you want to do this podcast? He gave me some time and we did it. Um, you'll One thing I want to make clear in this, I refer to one of his EPs as Substitute Teacher. It's actually called Substitute Preacher, Teacher Preacher. If you know me, I get words mixed up. Just like that. Sorry. But we talk about it. We talk about his video for his single moving to Brussels, which is really funny. We talk about his entire career, how, why he started playing guitar, what he likes for breakfast, who he is. Got a little political there, but it was fun. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Let's check it out. You know, I don't think so. I might say something, but I don't think so right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Tell everyone who you are. Hey, uh, my name is B. Beeman. I'm a guitarist, singer, songwriter, producer, guy. Um, and I have uh, been a musician for about 20 years, I guess you could say. Yeah. Years, right on. Where are you from originally? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, a lot of good music out of St. Louis. A lot of It's kind of like a melting pot of stuff. Stuff from coming up from Mississippi River and... You know, there's blues, there's kind of country, there's rock. Um, there's a, I mean, it's a weird, historically, it's like a French, Spanish, British meeting point of all, you know, back in the day, 200 years ago. So there's a lot of stuff that's French still. Um, so it's just a little bit unusual. It's not like maybe Pennsylvania or something. You know? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, your, your music comes from like, a, a, what I'm hearing is like, a little R&B, a little folk, rock. Am, am I yeah. right? Or? You're right. I mean, I grew up... Are you from America originally? Yeah, I, I grew up in Just, Texas. Okay. Well, as like... I'm, I mean, I'm not going to go straight to the minority thing, but as a minority, <laughs> you kind of like live in a couple different worlds just by virtue of being alive here, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I listen to all kinds of stuff, like... I listen to Fela Kuti. I listen to Hank Williams. I listen to, you know, hip hop. I listen to rock and whatever it is. I mean, there's good stuff out there. There's soul in a lot of different music and in every kind of music, really. Um, I just like that human connection sort of thing. Like I, I can, I feel different genres. Some people might not feel certain genres. They'd be like, this is just who I am. I like hip hop. I like country or whatever. But yeah. I'm like, I guess being in a kind of inquisitive guy and also playing, learning guitar as a kid, there's a lot of different great guitar players. You know, there's Curtis Mayfield, there's Malcolm Young, Angus Young. There's, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there um, to learn from. So I just kind of drew on a lot of stuff. Who was your guy when you started playing? My guy. Well, in St. Louis, Chuck Berry's like, the dude he was like you know he's the godfather in st louis that was kind of like and, and then the back to the future you know the johnny be good thing in back to the future was like kind of like a touchstone when i was yeah. like five when i was a kid michael jackson kind of like ruled my world like thriller stuff i was just like moonwalk dancing all that stuff and he had some 
cool guitar in his music actually even though it's sparse and it was just like a little pinch of this pinch of that but but if you're asking me who my guy is like who i was most obsessed with i mean it would probably boil down to acdc or soundgarden okay kim Thayo or pretty much yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i've gotten to know him uh i got i went on tour with chris in 2013 and uh, as an opening act for his solo acoustic tour so i got to meet him a hero of mine when i was like 13 14 15 the whole band i was drawn to them because of kim kind of because yeah, there's yeah. no indian american people i'm not indian american i'm sri lankan american but just south asian people there weren't very few and especially in in music um so i was drawn to them partly because of that and they also had that eastern sort of sound to them as well like they had this different thing you know yeah. going on and but oddly enough that really i don't think that was really kim i think that was a couple of the other guys in the band who really liked eastern time time signatures and tunings yeah. and stuff like that but yeah acdc soundgarden i like i think acdc more so i like learned so many acdc songs and most people are like angus young but i'm i'm malcolm young like hey, malcolm's rhythm, the backbone of the band. yeah <laughs> you know absolutely I, I, Angus was the face and the guy that runs around stage and not taking anything away from him. But Malcolm was no, the I love guy. him. I love him. But the Malcolm, guy. yeah. The rhythm section was amazing. That's what yeah. I really like. Yeah. And there, you know, I saw them in 2016. Mm. Uh two of the loudest shows I've ever been to is 2016 ACDC, which I think I lost some hearing. No, oh, wow. I'm not being funny. Like I actually and yeah. I, I saw Tool oh. a couple of years ago in London. And that was a very loud show too. But ACDC is the I mean, loudest show I've ever been. Some people have amps stacked up, and only like three or three of them are on. Yeah. But those bands have there's they have a lot of cabinets going, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. I actually got to so I, maybe we should do this in chronological order. But since you bring up loud shows, and um, I got to play a show with. Soundgarden. I got to go on stage and play a song called Super Unknown with them, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite songs. And their stage volume is incredibly loud. And I was not used to that. I usually like go up with an acoustic guitar and like play songs, but I can play electric. I grew up on electric. Um, but I went on stage and I did that song with them. And it was like a rocket ship like taking off is like all this energy going through your body and I didn't lose my hearing, but it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Did you rehearse it with them first or just go on and wing uh, it? Sound checked. Okay. Sound checked. It was something I knew pretty well. And then I like learned, I was doing the electric guitar parts and I learned the harmonies to Chris's vocals because I don't think, yeah, they don't really sing harmonies to him. I think he's just the only vocalist or was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I can do some of these harmonies that are on the record. And I tried that out, which was, <laughs> which was, Made it more stressful, but it was it was good. Cool. So you got to be pretty that good was friends at Shoreline. Yeah, that was at Shoreline Amphitheater, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I got to know them, Kim more so than the other two guys, but I've met all of them. We met on Jules Holland in UK, uh, mm-hmm. that BBC show. I, they were the headliner. I was one of the other acts, and I grew up just like loving those guys. So I was, I went and introduced myself, told them meaningful they were to me and they were like very nice and i got to hang out and have a beer and it's cool yeah it's and funny we nine we months later just... chris invited me up yeah to do who? his acoustic tour yeah and so nine months later chris invited me to do his acoustic tour 
Yeah. Who did you go to Jules Holland? With? It's funny because we did Jules Holland when I was with Duran Duran and Jason Isbell was one of the, you know, cause he has those three artists that set mm. up and Jason Isbell was, yeah. and I was a huge Jason Isbell fan. So it was a big deal to me. Uh, I didn't get to meet did him. Did Darius really. manage, did Darius manage him? At some point? I think Darius managed him momentarily. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that wasn't at that time. Yeah, no, this was a he had just released the the second album on his label, the Southeast. Okay. Okay. Something more than free. He was doing that. Oh, cool. But is it was kind of cool to me, you know, to see that guy. That's a you that's a cool show because you get to see all kinds of people. Eagles of Death Metal was the other band. Oh wow. (laughs) Wait, who's Eagles of Death Metal? Josh Homman. Josh Hall plays in there sometimes. I think it's a guy named Jesse. Um, his name escapes me. Alan Johan, Johannes, or I don't know, Elaine. I don't know how to say his name. A L A I N. Anyway, isn't it? Isn't this a great podcast when I'm spelling out the names of people? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good content. Like I told yeah. you, this goes. It's 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 just free for all. Talk about whatever That's okay. you want. Great. Yeah. That's great. When, when did you start playing guitar, man? That's what I should have asked oh. you first. Like, no, how all, old were you? Okay. Uh, um, I'm uh, I'm the king of derailing conversations, so um, <laughs> don't. It's probably my fault. Um, I grew up with an older brother, and he had a, a little. I still have it, but a little mini classical guitar, and he didn't really play it. So when I was about seven, I started picking it up. I don't know how terrible it sounded at that point, but I was infatuated for some reason. You know, you know, everybody finds their niche and what makes them passionate, and that was something that I was just like. I would like hold it all the time. Like I would be holding it all the time, even just learning new things, little things, you know? And so, yeah, seven years old. And then, and I played a lot of baseball growing up, like competitive traveling baseball stuff. Um, But I got hurt at like when I was 13 or 14 or something pretty bad. And so I couldn't play. And so I really kicked guitar into higher gear at that point, um, just because it was a fun hobby for me no intention of being like oh i'm gonna start a band or whatever i was just like i really enjoy the process of learning um different styles and uh, acoustic and electric styles and stuff like that so and i've been playing yeah that's a long time ago now (laughs) 33 (laughs) years yeah still learning how to play guitar (laughs) still learn yeah i mean that's a otherwise it becomes dull if you're not if you think you've hit like a plateau or whatever the plateau is the worst thing when you're learning any anything, I would say. The plateau yeah. is like you gotta get above it and over it. Yeah, the, you, you gotta that. create the next plateau. Yeah. The next thing. Or else you're just playing that Chuck Berry but, leg over and over and over. <laughs> which I did, which I did. <laughs> uh but the plateaus can can be short and they can be really long, you know. They can be two years or something like that, you know. Mm. So but and I've had those long ones where I'm like, I didn't get any better, but I just still, well, I probably did get better, but in my mind, you know, I wasn't like at the level and I, I'm impatient too. So I always am like wanting to get better and thinking I'm not quite where I should be, you know? Yeah. So do you still practice as much as you used to? I don't practice as much as I used to, but I do, I do practice uh, a good amount. But it's weird because it's like riding a bike so much. And I almost, I, maybe I'm a little too comfortable about it, but yeah. I do. 
I keep my mind interested in new genres and new skills and new things like that. So, but I'm not doing eight hours a day, five to eight hours a day. Like I used to, I used to just be on it all the time. And now with like, there's so many distractions, man, like TV, cell phones. Like, it's just like, it was a simpler time where like you found a, a road you wanted to go down and you would go on it. Yeah. But now it's like, you're I'm on the road going down the same road, but, you get distracted by a thousand things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the news, Netflix, YouTube, like it's just it's too much. Yeah. I hear Music, you, man. You know? my, my problem is I'll, I'll go in a music store and I'll pick up a guitar and if it doesn't feel right, I'll pick up and then I'll find one and it just feels good. And I play something cool that I've never played before. And I'm like, I'm inspired. I'm going to buy yeah. it. Then I get it home and it just sits there. By the other, <laughs> by the other eight that I've bought. <laughs> but it's funny sometimes. Really, like when I was a kid, I wanted a PRS. I wanted the Santana PRS, like fucking bad. Like I was like, <laughs> that's all I want. And then I finally like went to the store and I was like, this just doesn't fit me. Like I could have mail ordered it and thought like I'm gonna get the greatest thing in the world, but like you gotta like fit it to you. You gotta find something that fits you. Like yeah. you're saying. And something that does inspire you. Um, but yes, sometimes you get inspired and then you just put it on the shelf and it doesn't do anything. Yeah. But I do tell people that everybody will say you need a Gibson, you need a Fender or whatever. It's like, or whatever guitar. But it's like, it's so personal. That it is. You should yeah. go try it out. And the shittiest guitar might be the greatest guitar for you. Like, who knows? You know, you don't really know. Not the shittiest, but the a strange one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people, they talk about how great a guitar Prince was. He played a Hondo Telecaster his entire career, <laughs> you know? That that Telecaster is not expensive, but yeah. it it did what he needed to do. And so I heard a story, I think it was a tech for like Jeff Beck or maybe a tech for Brian May. It was one of those YouTube thingies or whatever. He was like going through all the gear and pedals and amp head and whatever and then he's like but i had some huge guitar player i don't even it, just substitute brian may or whoever came in and tried out the rig like oh i'm like jet beck and it's like oh it's like so much 80 percent is in your fingers and jeff beck could sound like jeff beck on a lot of rigs you know um, yeah. any rig you know so i think people get really caught up in gear you can make a hit record. You can put, I mean, as long as it doesn't fall apart during a show, you can get away with a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I guess, gear, you know, this way, I mean, you know, no, well, no, it's kind of like, it's kind of like fashion, you know, like they, they use these beautiful people to sell it, but you're not going <laughs> to look like that. <laughs> why is this? Why don't I look good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I always say it's just in the hands, but I'm also a sucker for like, I like fuzz. So every fuzz face or every fuzz pedal I hear, I'm like, that's the best. I gotta have it. So now you have a like, lot. Oh. Next to the guitars is several fuzz pedals. Do you have a lot of fuzzes? I do. I have. I like the full tone fuzzes. I like uh, uh, Sam Kassir, who produced mm -hmm. your first album, has a fuzz face. I've been trying to buy from him for years. You won't let it go. It's called the. Uh, the fuzzy wolf or something 
Only two people I know have them, him and Josh Kaufman. Oh, wow. Do you see those guys often? I don't. Josh lives in Brooklyn, but I don't see him that often. But I haven't seen Sam in quite a while, but I talk to him, you know, every now and then. I'll send him a text. Yeah, I haven't worked with that crew since 2017. And was Josh in that group at that point? Like, I know he, like, joined. And Josh Josh was, yeah, Josh was playing guitar for Ritter the last tour I did with him, 2017. Such a good guitar. Okay. Yeah, he's pretty tasty. (laughs) You know, I don't like that word for guitarist, but I just said it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he's very tasty licks. Yeah, it's very tasteful. Yeah. Yeah. I always say Josh doesn't waste notes, but he plays all the notes. (laughs) Well, man, do you um, play still? I I play every now and then. I, I, I like to say I do, but I don't. Um, every now and then I'll pick up a guitar and I live in an apartment, so I can't play really out of my amp anymore. And I'm not a very good acoustic guitar player. I have my weak hands, no calluses anymore. So. I've been using this, like, I don't play with my amps that much either. And I've been using this software amp called Scuffum, Scuffum, I don't know how to say it, S-Gear. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Is I'm it? not going to lie. Yeah, you might you might think differently, but I think, and I'm not a snob about it. I'm just like, just like that Jeff Beck whatever story I was saying. Like, yeah, it like I can make it work, you know, because I can trust my hands or whatever. I can still sound like me. Yeah, um, and it's fun. It's fun. That's the bottom line for me. It's yeah. not detrimental to having fun while playing guitar, and it's quick. Yeah, plug plug it into an interface and standalone software. Pretty cool, and the and the presets are pretty good. They're like, yeah, you'll have from to experimental, like guitar rig and native instruments is just too crazy and big of a library of sounds for me. But this one is like forty sounds. Yeah, I'll send that to you. Um, it's pretty limited and kind of boutique almost. Um, but yeah, I like that one. That's the one I just like reach for. Just it's easy. Yeah, I'm really uh... inspiring. I'm very ignorant when it comes to any kind of software because up until about 10 years ago, I really didn't use a lot of pedals. It was mainly just a guitar through a a Marshall head or a a Fender Mm -hmm. amp. And I I tried to do everything with the knobs, you know, back back off the tone and and that type of stuff. And then I started using pedals and then I became that guy that's like, I got to have all the pedals. (laughs) I mean, Man, pedals and, is, is, is like I, 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 I thought that's what made uh, the edge sound so good was all his pedals, but you got to learn how to use them. <laughs> and I, don't. Yeah. I think the only thing he needs is that whatever triplet delay, whatever thing he uses, like whatever delay pedal he uses. I think if you took away everything, every, he has a lot, but if you took everything else away, he could play a show and be good. He yeah. just needs that delay though for some of that stuff. You know? Yeah. That's his secret um, weapon. Well, man, um, but yeah, looking at his, his setup is pretty daunting for sure. Uh, his his gear list is crazy. Racks and racks and pedals, and yeah. if you ever if you watch videos, um, his tech, they they'll ask him certain questions. Is he's he's not afraid to just say like, eh, I'd rather not answer that, or like <laughs> we can't tell you what that is. <laughs> secret secret sauce. I'd rather not tell you where he buys his picks. And that's a true story. Like he won't tell you where he gets the edges oh, picks. Okay. Well, I heard he uses like 
coins sometimes to get like extra grit on the string attack. Mm-hmm. And so some of that, at least in some of the recording, like I've mm-hmm. heard he's some, maybe like a coin with the, like a, a quarter has that ridged edge, but mm-hmm. obviously it's a, he uses some Irish British coin. I don't know. <laughs> um, but not a smooth one. I think, I think it's like got divots or whatever you call them. Yeah. You know, like a quarter. But so there. I broke the edges secret that there I'm it is. not sure about. I'm not sure. We're going to go true. viral for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, let's talk about your albums. Your first album came out in 2012. It was more of a folk album, yeah. kind of a folk sound. I don't want to pigeonhole you. Yeah, no, it's okay. I was definitely but, inspired by uh, Blood on the Tracks by Dylan, kind of for that aesthetic for that album. So it's, mm-hmm. it was, I would say acoustic weaning for sure. And that's when you and I met, or right around that album. Right around there, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but what I've noticed, uh, in all your albums as they came out is you, you tend to, you're, you're, you're listed as alternative folk, but you're like the Madonna of alternative folk. It's, I am the Madonna. And then, (laughs) you know, um, Rhythm and Reason came out. It's a very Motown sounding record. Yeah. I mean, really? Uh, yeah, Motown stacks like influence for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was you, probably listening to way too much Booker T at that moment in time. But yeah, do you, do you're you right. Tend to you're be right influenced on. by what you're listening to, and then when you're writing. That, yeah, that kind of has been the case for sure, mm-hmm. um, for better or worse. Um, I'm a bit of a obsessive person when it comes to when when I like something, I'll get, I'll really go down a rabbit hole with it. Um, but yeah, that that album, the second album was more R and B, old school R and B leaning, um, Stax, Motown, um, and then the other one, the first one was yeah, like Nashville Skyline, Dylan, or Blood on the Tracks actually, um, and then the next two albums were different. Like it's a bit of a, some people would say you shouldn't do that. You should just do the same. Like you have a fan base and you should please the fan base a bit. Like I said, I've always straddled a few different worlds in real life and in music life. Um, and I find it kind of boring to stick to one, I don't know, to one idea, one genre, one feeling. So I'm always looking for something new and exciting. Yeah. And especially in the world of guitar. And um, yeah, sometimes I go way back and sometimes I'm looking at guitarists from west africa in the 80s and stuff like that and there's a lot of great guitar out there that like i think a lot of people aren't aware of yeah yeah Um, because this the music world is very western i mean america in america is very western leaning now it's starting to change you're getting uh more global music coming into the forefront but um there are a lot of great black guitar players from africa and from america that are overlooked so yeah it's funny you say that because I'm on peace of mind. My first run through peace of mind was more. I, I heard a lot of textures in your guitar playing, a lot of tremolo, almost. Uh, you can correct me, almost surfy sounding effects you were using. Second run through, I realized how political it was. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like a that that sort of like in through the back door of your mind, but it has to be funky and danceable or whatever, have a good groove and all that, yeah. and then then politically or whatever you want to say, like comes through the back door, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
I guess job well done for me there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that tremolo surfy thing. I mean, I was hugely obsessed with the with Pulp Fiction and the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Yeah. And then like later Dick Dale and stuff like that. Um, I actually saw Dick Dale live in San Luis one time. But yeah, that surfy sort of I, there's something beautiful about that sound. It that is. It still is resonates yeah. today to me. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to see him in Dallas at a small club oh, wow. called, called the Curtain Club. And uh but yeah, that whole surf, you know, the ventures that I still can't yeah. get that that super clean with the the right amount of tremolo or the right amount of reverb. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. like I'm going for like a feeling. I mean, it's hard to recreate. I got but, it, you know, as a guitar player, that's what I, I listen to a lot of like I'll I listen to the music a lot, you know, before Oh, my first run through it. And that's what I got out of that album is really cool textures that you used on that. Oh, thanks. So that was the first one, first album I like. I mean, I, I look at it critically a bit now. I want, I would change certain things, but you can't do that. Um, but that was the first album I produced all by myself, mm-hmm. uh, just in my little shack here. So that was a challenge, uh, for me. And that was a cool challenge. I'm, happy i did that but i I also learned the value of a good producer and so the next album sam i had sam consider come back um we did it together so that was great does he push you sam he has just different ears than me Mm -hmm. like i'm almost deaf in certain like not really but like i'm like tunnel vision with ears i guess i don't know what the word is for tunnel vision for ears where i can't really hear things that could be brought in after mm-hmm. a certain point. I'm just so narrow-minded about it. And that's what I learned from doing the album by myself. I was like, it, it's hugely beneficial to have someone you trust have another set of ears. And and he's also an amazing player that complements what I do. Like, um, He's a keys player primarily, so that's something I'm not good at. I think that that just strengthens the product, basically. Was it deliberate, all the uh, political messages on that album, on the Peace of Mind album? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Severely. It came out in 2019, right before the election. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was in re- response to 2016 election and Trump and, and all that stuff. And it's weird because nowadays, well, you just don't hear a lot of, especially if you turn on the radio, but you don't hear people talking about anything. like. Post Malone has never written anything political. Taylor Swift has never written anything. Like, the masses are not getting anything political. I'm not going to say no. there's nothing political being written. Like, there sure is. But for the masses, they're not getting it. I think, but I think it's weird, a weird time in that, like I was saying earlier, there's all the distractions and stuff. But I think politics has been compartmentalized into the news cycle, news, actual news, because there's not 30 minutes or an hour of it at 6 p.m. every day. It's 24 hours a day all year long. Yeah. And so I think there's something to it where I think people are getting their dose of politics. <laughs> They're getting enough of that in on TV or whatever and the news. And music is more of an escape rather than a reflection of yeah. the times, I guess. Because the 60s is, in America obviously was very popular. Uh, or it's well known that there's all the political music of the 60s, but 
at the same time that was a lot of people a lot of people getting drafted and and going to war and affecting people's lives directly like uh, my brother's gone off to war and you know whatever yeah. i know somebody but nowadays it's like a little bit like detached where yeah trump is in office and people are going nuts with well like the republican party's off the rails i'll just say that but um <laughs> but that it's not hitting home quite the same like I, I don't know how to i'm not that eloquent but hopefully i got my point across there no no i totally understand what you're saying um i'll, I'll go off topic well somewhat on topic and see if, mm-hmm. have you heard this um last week this or week ago two weeks ago this kid uh out of Appalachia, Oliver Anthony went viral for this song he wrote, Richmond, Richmond Rich- of Richmond. Have yeah, you heard I've that? Heard I've heard of it. So it became Not this huge con- conservative anthem. Yeah. yeah. And then in the last couple of days, he's come out and said, like, hey, don't fucking use me for your <laughs> like, that's not what I wrote about. And now they're turning yeah. on him. Oh, God. So uh, that's that's so that's so classic. 2023 i know we love your song but we're gonna dox you and we're gonna send you hate mail now yeah we love your song when we thought it meant (laughs) what we thought it meant now that you've told us what it meant you're a yeah it's like shut up and snowflake don't talk yeah yeah that doesn't make any sense no i i I read about that part i read about the song and and how he was like i don't really want to be involved in all that like he didn't. Is it a few years old, or is it like a brand new song? I think he wrote it a few years ago, and it just caught on because he recorded some videos of him just singing it, mm-hmm. uh, and like around some dogs. I've watched the. I finally broke down and watched the video a couple of days ago when I because I've been keeping up with it, and uh, he really just kind of said like I was reading all the stories about him, like he would turn down all these appearances for money he's like i'm not doing it for money like i was suffering from mental health and depression when i wrote the song and and you know really the conservatives took it and ran with it and mm-hmm. my my take my personal take was like you know the the kid probably doesn't want you digging in his past all of a sudden you know that he's this <laughs> he never planned on being this huge viral sensation that's yeah. got a number one song on itunes you know uh yeah. But, you know, he came out and recently and said, hey, that's not what I'm doing. I mean, here. that's that's pretty I, I'll say that's pretty brave of him, honestly, to come out and say he could have just gone quiet. Yeah. Um, Taking the money but, and run. Yeah. But saying something back to it is putting a target on your back. I mean, yeah. in this climate, like people are weird. People are yeah. weird today. People get get crazy. The, conservative people have are just going after people left and right it's crazy know, right? anybody trump anybody trump says is bad, is bad. it's out. like a uh, like, uh i refer to it as the the clown show covered in kerosene that, that whole <laughs> but anyway i don't want to get off on political but no, I, uh, I don't know a lot about this i haven't actually heard the song but i do know the story yeah and i, yeah. I kind of feel for, i do feel for him you know it's it's you know what it's not a terrible song it's not a great song you know it's not a terrible <laughs> song but uh, i do get this you know that he sounds genuine singing it i don't know you should take a listen to it sometime i <laughs> will give, sure i will now give, give me your opinion on it i'll do a cover of it man that would be great 
That'd be great. When is when is a uh, substitute teacher three coming out? Mm. Well, I do have a couple songs on, you know, songs going that should be could be done pretty soon. I've I've done a lot of records with Sam Casir, so like I usually get stuff to a certain point, and then when I'm like kind of, and then I bounce some ideas with him, and then have him kind of take the final stages of mixing, uh, production and mixing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm kind of getting close to having a, another collection. But I always I always have fun doing those because every song I do is really meaningful to me and I know how to play that the replication of the famous version like very well like I know yeah. how to replicate it and so then I have fun like kind of reinventing all the songs like I did Highway to Hell like Maybell Carter uh <laughs> which was fun I did Back in Black kind of like uh I don't even know like an Everly Brothers song yeah. um which was fun uh, just messing with genres and messing with Paranoid you know, was my expectation. favorite I love that one. I mean, I love Ozzy. I've always loved Ozzy's voice. Like, I was a big, heavy rock fan. I wouldn't say metal. I was like, Sabbath was like as heavy as I pretty much went, like yeah. Tool or Sabbath. But yeah, I always loved his voice. So, and and that song, I mean, it, for those who don't know me, but uh, it was like an acoustic version, I think. Yeah, it was like an acoustic version of that song um, with like, 50 slap delay on it i think or something yeah, like that yeah. um, and it's always uh, fun well, it's a dire straight walk of life you did I mean, yeah you did th- that they're was good fun. yeah i was i was i'm i'm wait i'm patiently yeah, waiting walk, for three yeah walk of life was like a country blues sort of thing like a mississippi john hurt style yeah a finger picking thing that i i got together those are it's just fun to like come up with something that i enjoy playing yeah uh with these old songs so you came up and playing all these songs right yeah like i knew how to like i did best friend's girl by the cars and i knew i had to play that rip note for note you know um and i did my way by sinatra and that one's probably the one where it's more straight ahead but also i just really like that version so but yeah i like covers but i've also like done a lot of gigs where i had to do straight covers and it it's just lame <laughs> you know when you're trying to replicate what somebody else did it's just not that enjoyable to me but yeah i, I used to like busk and stuff like that and i would have to i would I, no one wants to hear your weird version of some p- famous song they kind of want to hear the something recognizable yeah. um so with the cover with this substitute preacher thing uh it's kind of an installment um that I've done two of and I'm you're asking for the third one. And I think I'm getting close for that one. Right on, man. Well, I'm going to keep uh, bugging you about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a couple irons on the fire. Um, another Beeman album kind of getting like all simultaneously co- a covers album, a Beeman album. And then like this third side project thing that um, is more modern sounding. That I have guests with, um, guest vocalists and stuff with that I co-write with, um, and that's all just kind of getting going. Yeah. And so you also write songs for other people, other artists, correct? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I write and I pitch, and sometimes they like them and they use them. Sometimes I co-write with other people. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So, and I, I've gotten, uh, I've done some co-writes with Rhiannon Giddens, who you may have crossed paths with. Paths with. Um, she's doing really well. She just released an album that was one of the songs we worked on. Um, I don't do a ton of it. I've been doing it a lot more recently, um, just straight writing with other people in mind or some other person in mind. Yeah. Either a specific artist I'm um, collabing with or um, just something where I'm like, this is not me. This is like a female perspective or this is, this is like a Madonna song or something like not me. There's <laughs> um, so, something a little dancey and female oriented that's not me that I could not pull off. But I do think is is good. So um, yeah, I've been pitching songs to other people like that. Yeah, I think with that shirt you could pull off anything, man. <laughs> <laughs> this so shirt's got... old, man. I got this when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm just Josh. I only man. pull it out on special occa- special occasions <laughs> when you think it's only audio. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a shirt on at all. Oh, and then I this was the, within reach, and so I just put it on. <laughs> once you wanted the video, <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah. We'll take them shirt or shirtless on this podcast. Um, <laughs> so you got a new album you're working on, new Beeman album. Uh, substitute any any tour dates coming up? I just have I don't have a lot of shows ever since pandemic. I haven't gotten back out there as much as I'd like to. I did some shows. I've done a you know a handful of shows. I opened for Violent Femmes last year, and then next week I have a show here in LA um, with a group called the Mastersons. They're oh, yeah, St- um, they're Steve Earle's part yeah, of Steve Earle's backing band. He played with a guy Jack Ingram. The guitar, uh, I don't. I want to say Danny, but that's the actor. Uh, <laughs> the but he played guitar at a band that I worked for for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're really amazing. They're really He's talented. a great guitar player. Yeah. 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 So he, we're going to be doing some songs together. And that song, Move Into Brussels, which I think you want to get into at some point. But yeah, we're going to be doing that one. And I was like, he's like, do you want me to do the guitar on that? And I was like, no, I got it. But then I realized, oh, it's it, it I can do it. But it's challenging to do the guitar and sing that. Um, and so I was like, you're a really good guitar player. You should like, and then my instinct, my instinct was like, no, I got it. I'll do it. It's fine. I'm good. No. Um, but then I like emailed him like 20 minutes later. I was like, actually, it'd probably be good if you played guitar and then I could just sing the song. Um, and I know you could handle it. So, uh, yeah, let's get into moving to Brussels. Uh, that's from your second album. You got a video with that. And it stars yeah. uh, Keegan Michael Key from Key and Peele fame. Are you guys yeah. buddies? We're buddies. We're 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 not best friends, but we're we're buds. Yeah, I haven't seen him for a while. Uh, that video is great. Him. If you've seen yeah. the movie Whiplash, <laughs> yeah, I like. I had I had like booked him to. I was living in the Bay Area, and I I booked him to do for one day for like a couple hours uh, in L.A. And I was like, the the date was quickly approaching, and I really didn't have like a good idea for the music video. <laughs> uh, I was like rolling ideas around with the director, and then I like either the night before or two nights before I went, I drove down there, 
I saw Whiplash or I rented it or whatever. And I was like, oh, this would be like a good, like he's good at yelling at people. Yeah. Like, this would be good. And so, and I'll be the student. He'll be the taskmaster. And uh, so I sent him the, the movie. And uh, yeah, and he gets there. And I was like, so did you watch the movie? He's like, no, I didn't watch the movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I'm sure I'll be fine. Just yell at me a bunch. Like, and so, and he's like, crazy improv actor and i've never really been around a comedic improv actor even though i like am very uh enamored with that world of comedy and and snl and mad tv and and living color and all that stuff um but he just like was just like an engine just churning out ideas like not there's so much b-roll I know you guys released the YouTube video of outtakes and it's hilarious. Yeah. 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 He's like, you're the wrong color. Like you're the wrong color Brown. Cause obviously you have no rhythm or something like that, which he just made up. Um, But yeah, it was, it was pretty uh, (laughs) intense. I mean, it was like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not used to getting filmed. I'm not all that stuff. So it was a lot of stuff all at once. Kind of like Jules Holland where it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I play shows, but I don't usually do this show. This is yeah. a different thing, like light, tons of lights, tons of cameras, audience. But it was like being in a room with Robin Williams, if you could maybe imagine that. It was like a whirlwind of creative ideas being thrown yeah. around. And it, was, it was like, just chill out and let it happen and try to react a bit. Um, it was fun. It was, I mean, that was, we met um, at a, a radio show in Minneapolis. It was uh, called Wits, and uh, I was a musical guest. He was like the host or the actor guest or whatever you call it. And then we just hung out afterwards. We actually sang a song during the show. We like had to collaborate during the show. Then we hung out afterwards, and then we kept in touch. And I asked him to do the video, and he was very nice enough to do it. Yeah. Well, it's great. The videos. I mean, the song's great, but the videos, it you know, with the blood and the spit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's funny. He had to leave. The director, Chris Chambers, wanted to get the shot of him spitting at me. But but Keegan had already left. But there happened, like, we were in this complex with a bunch of other studios. So that we found this guy in the hallway. He, I think he might have been a parent of a child actor audition thing, like which was down the hall. Which was despite <laughs> child actors and their crazy parents auditioning for something. But we found this guy who was bald, almost the same complexion as Keegan. And so we had him come into the studio and do these shots from behind the head, behind his head, and with like a, a spray bottle or something imitating spit. And so the spitting in that is actually not Keegan. He's not even present, it's somebody else. But, um, I just remember that, but yeah, it was, it was great. Um, yeah. A bit of whirlwind for me. Cause it's not my world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look really uncomfortable. <laughs> so you, you played the part really well, you know, if you've seen the movie, like that played... wasn't acting. That was just my nerves. Yeah. Well, man, we talked about all your influences. Is there anyone current, any artist current that, that inspire you that you listen to or that you, you know yeah it's not not guitarists not that there aren't any but i listen to a lot of like modern 
Nigerian like Afrobeat stuff and I listen to like modern Caribbean stuff. There's a, a a girl, a young woman from Jamaica called Coffee. She's really good. She's she's got a lot of talent and I like her first album a lot. There's a young woman from I guess she's from Nigeria, but I think she lives in England. Like there's a lot of Nigeria is an English speaking country, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and the British were there at some point. Um, so there's a lot of cross pollination between the countries, a lot of expats and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, I listen to a lot of Nigerian music now, like Burna Boy or Thames or Wizkid or Iris, Iris Stars, who I, I was referencing to begin with. She's a, like 20 years old. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out of there. Um, and that's one, that's one of the great things about for all the drawbacks of modern tech it's pretty cool to be able to just like check stuff out in this day and age there's a whole genre in South Africa called Ama Piano which is incredible it's like very different from anything maybe you've ever heard it's very dance oriented mm-hmm. um, it just like feels really good um, but I listen to that but then I also just listen to the streaming world made me like kind of even in tv or in music makes you go oh what's new what's new what's coming out new and it's like well i like old shit like like i like my old i have my standbys that i neglected for seems like years so i started like going back and listening to old stuff that i know by heart like like some people might find steve miller corny but i like steve miller and I used to know his stuff really well. And I heard one of his songs back again for the first time in maybe 15 years. And I was like, knew every line of all the inflection points, all these weird little moments. And I was like, whoa, that's weird that I could just remember all that stuff. Um, but yeah, listening to old stuff, old, old favorites, yeah. which are run the gamut of folk rock and folk and hard rock and stuff like that from yesteryear. Yeah. Like you said, you can, it comes on and that part of your brain just clicks on, but you don't know your neighbor's phone number. You just know. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Billy Joe is a detective down in Texas. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Story of Billy Joe and Bobby Sue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But cool, man. Um, Dude, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Before I let you go, I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on the, uh, recent happenings in in georgia oh like yesterday or yeah like, yeah all that um i was I'll watching say, i'm not getting watching, too excited but <laughs> yeah no i was watching i was like wow this is satisfying and yet i feel like there's a big old twist and not a good way yeah. about to happen like there's i i guess in may the georgia republicans passed something where if where they can oust a prosecutor from a case meaning and that goes into effect october 1st yeah and oh yeah that's the thing i was waiting for it's like that's gonna happen october 1st they'll they'll drag it bonnie willis is gonna bonnie willis the woman who brought the charges is gonna get booted from the case for some bs reason yeah they're just like i've never seen anybody get out of trouble the way trump just gets out of trouble like it's impressive in a way in a weird way but yeah Holding my breath, not yeah. holding my breath. Yeah, whatever it is, I'm not holding my breath. And I, I yesterday, yeah, actually yesterday, I was watching him pull in his motorcade, pull into the 
Rice County Jail or Fulton County Jail or whatever. It wasn't satisfying. It, like I was like, thought it would be satisfying or something, but I, like he left it immediately after, and I was like, it just wasn't satisfying. And I was like, still get out of it somehow. He'll do house arrest in Bedminster or Mar-a-Lago or some shit. And it's like, well, that's not prison. No. <laughs> like that's COVID. That's that's pandemic <laughs> lockdown. There's nothing different. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I watch it. I pay attention. Like I said, the 24-hour news is a bit too much news. Like, yeah, yeah. It's really about an hour's worth of news every day. Yeah. And over and over and over and over. over. And, like, and, and I watch the, you know, bleeding heart liberal MSNBC and whatever. And, like, I can't watch those guys that much. Like, it's awful to watch them too much because they're just like, I've heard them say the same things for for forever, for years and years and years. This might be the thing that top finally topples Trump. Like, how many times have they said that? Like, I know it's not a, it's not going to happen. I guess so. That that was my takeaway yesterday. Come for myself. Come to peace with the fact that this man. There's no justice on the side of Jordan for for Donald Trump. If you know that say, like you know, it's almost like a not episode, in this lifetime. It's like an episode of the Hulk. That one guy that's looking for the Hulk, David Banner. In every episode, he almost catches him, but he doesn't. Man, <laughs> so it just I used keeps to watch going the Hulk so much when I was a kid. I used to watch it so much, and I haven't watched it since I was like seven years old. So that made me just want to go back and watch it. There you go. There I was go. I was so into it. I, I hear I hear my son complain about the CGI, and I'm like, we grew up with a guy painted green, a real bodybuilder painted <laughs> was it, green. Was it Lou Ferrigno? Lou Ferrigno. That was him? Yeah. And he actually had a bit part in the first Hulk movie, I believe. He's a security oh, really? guard. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Well, man, where can people find you online? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can check me out at bbeman.com. That's spelled B H. I B H I M A N dot com. And you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube under the same name, B Beeman. And uh, I have a a new cover that came out that'll probably go on Substitute Preacher three whenever that comes out, but I just did a single. And it's Sunny, a song called Sunny by Bobby Hebb, which is a great old song from the sixties. Um and uh, yeah, that just came out. So go check that out. Yeah, I, I meant to talk to you about that. It's really good. Really oh, good. thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that song is so beautiful. There's, I've been doing a lot of like one takes. Like, I there's something about me playing guitar by itself and then me singing on top of the guitar r- later recorded. Mm-hmm. That for me, there's little nuances that don't click quite as good as if I'm playing live because I'm just that's just who I am playing live. Like. Like I'm the metronome, my hands and my brain are tied and my mouth are all tied together. So even if I dip in tempo with my right hand, my voice will follow it perfectly. So I've been starting to do more of those live recordings, um, which I have done in the past a lot. Um, But then I kind of went away from it for fidelity, you know, to get more audio fidelity. But you lose maybe a little bit of something. A little, I don't know je ne sais quoi whatever you miss you miss or i miss a little something um 
there's something where I'm very in tune, all the notes I'm playing and then all the notes I'm singing and the rhythmic part of it and where my voice is landing in the rhythm that I can't quite get. And, uh, when you're and I also like it. that when I'm tracking it and usually when I track it, a BPM is involved, uh, a track is involved, which is okay. But when I play live, I do fluctuate tempo sometimes just minorly, just yeah. like little bits and little bits up and down. And I like a lot of old records that have that push and pull thing because different parts of a song might necessitate a little bit of a slowdown or maybe a little ramp up. Um, and there's, there's my dog barking. Um, and then there's, uh, there's energy stuff that I can't quantify exactly. Um, when I play live, it's just all together and it's like either I hit it or I didn't hit it. And, um, I just, I think there's little intricacies that are, I don't even know how to say a sixth sense sort of thing where yeah, it feels better, I guess, you know? Yeah. To, to use a cliche word, very organic. Yeah. I mean, when, when you go out and Duran Duran's playing, maybe they do have click tracks, but they're probably such a good band that they can just pound out songs, like put them in a room. Um, but just with anybody, you're, you, the Rolling Stones or some band, they've, they don't need a click track necessarily. No, maybe they do sometimes, but it, it's almost better when they don't have one because yeah. you're adding a sixth member to the band. It's like that's the click. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, this click wasn't ever in the band. Like, and we have played for forty years without the click. We had we had Charlie Watts yeah. and Keith were the engine. Um, yeah. And, and now you're adding they, this. They have and the human the, metronome. Steve Jordan. <laughs> oh yeah, and they started. They started playing again. I guess. Yeah, yeah. They just finished a tour a year or so ago. Maybe, maybe longer. I saw the last tour. It's the first and last time I've seen the Stones. And unfortunately, yeah. Charlie was gone. I got to see Steve Jordan. But you know, the Stones don't even have to be in tune either. <laughs> which they displayed. Which it. they displayed that night. I saw him. <laughs> was it good was it okay it was it was really good man i had never seen them live they were really really good and like you know ronnie wood i think ronnie wood is the backbone of that that live band Mm. but it was good you know you see these guys way up in age just still rocking out incredible yeah it's crazy crazy well man i appreciate your time man i know you're busy thank Um, you this my uh, the podcast is called uh, is breakfast included and if it was included if we were having breakfast B what would you have uh, some shitty uh, waffles from the waffle station at the Best Western <laughs> I mean is that why is that why it's called breakfast included because when you're touring you're like we're staying at this hotel in the route blah 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 it's like then then somebody pipes up is breakfast included like yeah is there breakfast like, yeah. Because it's a kind of important because you want to save as much money as you can and you mm-hmm. want to be quick and get out the door or whatever. Although I hate, I hate when they close breakfast at like 8.30 or yeah. 8 or something and you have to get up and then go down there and you've gone to bed at like 3 in the morning and you get up at 7 and then you go down there to bring your powdered eggs back up to the the hotel room and then you like fall back asleep. Yeah. Uh, and then you or the, recy- like the recycled boiled eggs. Two like, months. Whatever they don't eat this day, we're going to serve them. Then, then oh, two- 
Don't eat, try not to eat the eggs. I mean, <laughs> when you come across a good place with good breakfast, it's amazing. I know, right? But, uh, yeah, when I heard the name of your podcast, I was like, that must be the reason. Because when you're touring, you're like, is breakfast included in the hotel? <laughs> is that where the name came from? It did. It did. Yeah. yeah. You hear that so much so, in what, this industry. What would I get for breakfast? I think I said, well, I would say not the powdered regurgitated eggs. Even though I always want them and I always get them. And then I bring them up to the room and then I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> this is crap. Um, fresh fruit and like a yogurt, even though that's lame. I, yeah. It's just because I don't eat well when I'm touring. Mm-hmm. I just, and so like to get anything decent in your body is a plus. So yeah, fresh fruit in a, a Danon or an Activia if, if possible. What is the other no, one? Chiba, Chibos, Chobani, Chobani, <laughs> Chobani. You're not going to find that at the Best Western. No, they no. have Dannon. You'll play a Dannon. Yeah. Uh, well, brother, I appreciate. The I appreciate your time, man. <laughs> it's better because it's got fruit on the bottom. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. It was good talking to you, man. There you go, B Beeman. Man, I, I told you he was a nice guy, right? You can find out more about B at Beeman.com. There's links to his Instagram, Facebook, uh, all that good stuff. You can find all his music on all streaming platforms. Uh, check out his new single, Sunny. Check out that video for Moving to Brussels. Uh, you'll really, really enjoy it, especially if you've seen the movie Whiplash. So maybe you should watch the movie Whiplash and watch his video. Uh or just watch the video. It's hilarious. Um, check him out. Support him. Uh, if you've never heard of him, his music is really amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And he's a great guy. All right, guys. Uh, don't forget to check out our store. Is breakfast.bigcartel.com. Go check it out. Buy some shit. Uh, I'm out of here. Have a great day. I'll talk to you next week.